Hi, I'm Dr. Kiran Keshwara, Dental Legal Consultant at Dental Protection, and welcome to Risk Bites, a series of podcasts created specifically for dental practitioners in Australia. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high quality dental care for your patients. In this edition, I'm going to discuss patient autonomy with my colleague, Dr. Annalene Weston. Annalene, autonomy is a vital component of the consent process. So where does this become problematic? Indeed, Kieran, autonomy is, of course, one of the four principles of medical ethics. However, not one that was as critical, say, 50 years ago as it is now. Yeah, I think we've all had patients say to us, what would you do? Just just do that. When we try to explain the risks and warnings to them, or I don't want to know, just do what you think is best. Yeah, that's always a worrying one, isn't it? And we have, and this is more commonly comes from an older generation of patients who've been imbued with the mantra of the doctor knows best. Mm. And while I say older, they're very much still present in contemporary practice, of course. And there can also be cultural and gender issues overlying this reluctance by patients to take control of their decision making regarding their dental treatment. However, the social movements cultivated and grown by the flower power generations of the 60s and 70s were a catalyst for widespread global social change. And following this, the tension between paternalism and autonomy finally gave way. And by the mid 80s, patient rights were absolutely the winner. So this means in effect that we predominantly treat autonomous patients, patients who are empowered to question us, to choose and refuse our care and even review us and Maybe not always so kindly. Yeah, it does. And while paternalism may occasionally still feel quite appealing, because uh, it would feel like a much easier way to practice trouble-free dentistry if everyone just did what we told them to, but there can be no doubt that patient autonomy deserves its place as a cornerstone of medical ethics and a critical component of patient care. Does autonomy ever go too far, though? Are we ever at risk of the tail wagging the dog? Yeah, we are. As Just because patients are autonomous with the right to decide between treatment options, pick and choose essentially, and also critically care and the right to refuse treatment, mm. it doesn't mean that they can dictate unreasonable, unrealistic or even dangerous treatments to us. And we just have to meekly undertake those against our better judgment. Because things can definitely can't go wrong, can't they? Yeah, they can go very wrong. And I wanted to highlight this for us today through a case. So, this might be one that you're familiar with, actually, Kieran. Mm. So Miss P was unhappy with her smile. She attended a specialist orthodontist for an assessment and was advised surgery would be essential for her to achieve an ideal outcome. However, she could consider a two-year course of fixed orthodontics if she was willing to accept a compromised camouflaged outcome. So unhappy with both of these options, Miss P saw an appointment with Dr. Q, a GDP who advertised aligner treatments, and she expressed she absolutely understood she needed complex care, but reassured Dr. Q she wasn't looking for perfect, she was just looking for better. And as her wedding was rapidly approaching, couldn't he just consider providing her with something quick and easy to help? Yeah, these types of patients can often seem genuine, can't they? But I suspect we've got a trap. Yeah, absolutely. And so did Dr. Q. <laughs> However, despite his reservations, Dr. Q agreed to take records and assess what, if anything, he could do. And he proceeded as far as a clin check. And at that stage, his reservations outweighed his desire to help. So he called Miss P and advised her that he simply couldn't proceed and he couldn't achieve an acceptable outcome for her. So Miss P responded by bombarding Dr. Q with impassioned pleas by email and by text. Surely he would help. She understood the risks and limitations. Wasn't it her money, her mouth, and therefore her choice? 
So Dr. Q agreed to one more consultation to show her the ClinCheck and outline his concerns. Uh, Ms. P reviewed the proposed treatment and outcome and proclaimed it to be perfect, all she'd ever wanted in her life. She then paid for the full fee in advance on leaving the surgery and schedule all her appointments. Surely Dr. Q couldn't say no now, could he, Annalyn? Well, difficult as it may have been to decline to treat Ms. P, Dr. Q very quickly began to wish that he had stood his ground, which is, of course, what we would have recommended he do if he'd rung us at that point, wouldn't we, Kieran? And had we been aware of the situation sooner. Um, While the treatment progressed as anticipated from the ClinCheck, the outcome, perhaps surprisingly to no one, did not meet Ms. P's expectations and she became difficult to manage, very rude to the staff. So Dr. Q was quite relieved actually to reach retention so this nightmare could be over. Uh, Regretfully, although perhaps not unexpectedly, Ms. P was unaccepting of her outcome and demanded a refund. Because she didn't like the compromised final outcome? No, she did not. And Dr. Q had barely had time to consider how he felt about this request when a letter from ARPRA arrived. And the notification was accompanied by an expert report from an orthodontist setting out why a line of treatment couldn't work in the presence of a gross skeletal discrepancy, which of course the patient knew she had, she'd been told that she had, Dr. Q said Mm. that she'd had right up until the point where Now she's got a line of treatment and she's not happy, you know. And it also accompanied with a complaint from Ms. P alleging she had, of course, been completely unaware of the fact and accusing Dr. Q of misleading her for profit. Yeah, and that must have been really upsetting for Dr. Q. Yeah, absolutely it was, Kieran. And Dr. Q is not alone in his plight. Patients attend daily demanding specific treatments researched on Google with a preconceived endpoint and price point. The critical point remains, however, that just because someone wants a specific treatment and maybe even wants it from you, it doesn't mean you have to provide it to them, particularly if like Dr. Q, you're uncomfortable because you don't believe the treatment's going to be successful or sufficiently successful or in the patient's best interests. So what did Arpra say in the end? Things must have been pretty damning for Dr. Q with the negative report from the specialist at play. Yeah, it certainly could have been. However, fortunately for Dr. Q, his records accurately reflected all the conversations that had been had and critically those indicating Ms. P's understanding of and acceptance of the treatment and its limitations. He'd followed this up in writing to her, setting out again the limitations of the treatment and strongly recommending Ms. P have the care as recommended by the specialist. Remember the first treatment that she Mm. declined to have and how she ended up with him. Now, Ms. P had responded to this in writing, stating she understood what she was getting totally and didn't want anything else or from anyone else. So on review of all of this, pleasingly, ARPRA dismissed the matter. That's so good to know. And it's fair to say that while patient autonomy is one of the four underpinning principles of medical ethics and a vital component of patient consent, this does not mean, however, that the patient is in the driver's seat, dictating the nature and type of their treatment and controlling all decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important that practitioners are not bullied or coerced into providing treatment they don't wish to, regardless of whether they are uncomfortable because they're out of scope, of course, being an important one, isn't it, Kieran? Because Mm. they don't believe it to be in the patient's best interests or for any other reason besides. 
That's great, Annalene. I think this case also demonstrates quite nicely that documentation of conversations we have with our patients in their clinical notes is also a vital component, both of patient care and, when required, practitioner defence. Yeah, I think so too, Karen. Thank you, Annalene, and thank you all for listening. And we do hope that this podcast was helpful to you and look forward to sharing more guidance with you in the future. If you do like Dental Protection Podcasts and would like to hear more, please subscribe and leave a review.